Well, thank you, Rick. And here you are in my kitchen. This is so weird. Uh, I actually had to run the slideshow this morning uh, for Rick, and I'm not used to doing that. I'm not used to doing this whole technical side of things. And now I've got this. I feel like uh, Michelle's sitting right over here with me, too. So, yeah, and there's her hand. <laughs> it's about as much as you're going to get today. But uh, I feel so weird because uh, I feel like I have to produce some kind of product to put out to you this morning. And all these pastors are, are doing that. And I never felt like Sunday morning was some kind of product that Levner was doing. It was always about being together and hanging out together and uh, just hugging each other. Yeah, we got to teach and we got to sing and everything else. It just seemed like Sunday mornings uh, was so much more than that. But then the Spirit just started working on me as I was thinking this week. This is to encourage one another right now because we honestly, it's like Rick said, uh, we need to be encouraged. There, there's only one other time that I can remember like this. I took a group of students to Ukraine many years ago, and um, the one image that I walked away from that whole experience was I was standing on a street corner, and I watched this uh, double bus go by, and people were just crammed on the bus and standing in the windows. It was kind of like a subway, and they were just standing there and just watched their faces. Their faces were just like Rick was talking about in Walmart. It was, they were, they were sad. It's like they had nothing to live for and it just impressed me. And so, um, I think that's what we're dealing with in today's world, uh, here in Fishers, Indiana, even just the, the gloom, the doom and gloom. And if you don't know Jesus, then, um, I can understand why they would be that way. I'm going to try to uh, work through James chapter three this morning, and it's perfect for uh, what we're dealing with. Hey, you know how many times I've said that in Levner that I've said, I know we're just working our way through the scripture, but God has a way of putting specific stories and scriptures in place for us that uh, meet our needs and uh, fit with the time. We're talking about controlling the tongue this morning, and there's so much more to just controlling the tongue we'll talk about. And James, the, the thing about it in James is he, I'll show you this real quick if I can make it happen. Um, in James, he talked about it in chapter 1, verse 19. He said, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then uh, verse 26, he says, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. Then we jump to chapter 2, verse 12. It says, speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. And then skip past chapter 3. Into chapter four, it says, don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. So in saying that, uh, he literally is saying, watch what you say. 
what you say and how you how you control your tongue is a big deal because it, it's not just here in chapter three, but he said it in chapter one, chapter two, chapter four. But let's dig into James chapter three. I'll see if I can uh, do this all at the same time. Uh, verse one, it says, not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that you will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature and able to control the whole body. Now, think about that for a second. James' complaint was simply that too many believers were overly anxious to speak up and show off. Think about the times you would almost think that his audience is the same audience that Jesus was dealing with in the Sermon on the Mount, that he was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were saying some pretty wild and crazy things. But actually, James is talking about the new Jewish Christians, the ones that were learning about Jesus. And they had the law previously, and now all of a sudden they've got a new covenant, and they've got Jesus. And there's all sorts of messages that are going out there, just like today. Do you realize that only 32% of pastors streamed their services on Sunday morning before this past weekend? Only 32%. I'm assuming they needed people to show up on Sunday morning so they didn't stream. But now they're having to stream and you can get on Facebook and Twitter and everything else and you can see all these pastors pontificating on the scripture and everything else. And just as I send sent my email this week, be careful, filter what they're saying, because a lot of times they take passages out of context. And you can even take what I'm saying here this morning, and I'm telling you, don't believe a word I say. You hear me say this all the time. Don't believe a word I say. Go back to the scripture and make sure that what I'm teaching right here is truly the word of God. So now James is like saying, you got to be careful of everything that you're hearing. Uh, he said, that's the one verse. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that you'll receive a stricter judgment. Do you know how many times people will say, man, if you're a pastor or you're a Sunday school teacher or teaching the word of God, that someday God's going to like uh, punish you for the things that you said wrong in the pulpit or and James isn't really talking about a heavenly judgment because if he was, then that would nullify uh, Romans 8.1. Therefore, those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Uh, what he's talking about is I'm going out online right now. This message is going out to the whole world and the whole world is able to see it. And they're able to judge and criticize my words, which is crazy. It's uh, not the duty of the Christian life, but the duty of the teacher position that is being examined. And, you know, we all stumble in many ways. You can tell the more spiritually mature people by the public decisions they make. And that is not the goal here. That's not the goal. This judgment that he's talking about is just really people 
watching what you do as compared to what you say. It's by the world, both believers and non-believers. James' whole concentration was what was being said or not being said and controlling the tongue. The power of speech is one of the greatest powers that God has given us. We're not perfect in our speech or behavior. We're perfect in who we are. Then verse 3, it says this. I'll get there. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now, that's a big deal. We went on this Mercy Me cruise back in January. And before we got on the boat, they said one of our rudders is malfunctioning. So we're only going to be half the power that we normally have. And we actually missed one of our stops and things like that. There was less power and the rudder had some ordeal with it because it was guiding the ship, not only just powering it, but guiding it. But think about this statement. What's that statement, uh, loose lips sink ships? Do you actually know where that came from? That was actually a, a term that was accustomed during World War II. That is, if people talked too much and gave too much information, it could cause the military to lose their ships. But I know this, loose lips, they also wreck lives. A person can make an unguarded statement or tweet and suddenly find himself involved in a fight. His tongue has forced the rest of his body to defend itself. You see, this tongue is a small member of the body, and yet it has power to accomplish great things. And when James is talking about this sense of guide here, it's important for it's not only talking about curbing evil actions, but it's also directing the body into to good actions. Both the bit and the, and the rudder that he talks about here must overcome contrary forces. Think about the a horse bit for a second. It's a little metal bar that fits in the mouth of this massive animal. And because that bar's in the mouth of the animal, you can control that massive animal. And then the rudder, think about the rudder on a ship, on a cruise ship, how small it is, yet it directs it. You see, that bit in the horse's mouth, it must overcome the wild nature of the horse. And that rudder, it's got to fight the winds of the currents that would drive the ship off its course. The human tongue also must overcome contrary forces. We get thoughts through the power of sin, the power of sin being a noun, remember that. And it dwells in our flesh. Our flesh is not evil, it just dwells there and wants to control us and make us sin. That's the verb part. It makes us want to do something. We still have the choice, but sin on the inside pressures on the outside are seeking to control the tongue. Spiritual maturity says this, 
know the Father, the Creator, the one who is from the beginning. Be able to hear the Spirit that lives inside of you. Obey when to speak and when to listen. Listen to the Spirit. Be obedient to the Spirit. You've got to, you can hear the Spirit, but then you choose to walk by the Spirit. When you're listening, you're probably going to say, I, a lot less. Do I need to repeat that? When you're listening, you're probably going to say, I, a lot less. A runaway horse or a shipwreck could mean injury to both pedestrians or passengers. The words we speak actually affect the lives of others. When a judge says guilty or not guilty, those words affect the destiny of the prisoner, his family, and even his friends. The president of the United States speaks a few words and signs some papers and the nation is at war just like that. Even a simple yes or no from the lips of a parent can greatly affect the direction of a child's life. The small piece of meat in your mouth has much power to direct many lives. The tongue is just another piece of meat that is connected to your body. That thing in your mouth, it's neutral. It's not good or evil. It can only respond when you tell it to. It does what you choose to tell it to do. Remember, someone controls both the horse bit and the rudder. The tongue is used as a metaphor by James, but you still have to make a choice. That choice is simple. We say it almost every week. Your choice is you either walk according to the flesh or you walk by the spirit. The tongue is going to give direction. Then he says in verse five, let me switch back here. Verse five, it says, so too, though the tongue is small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how small the fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of unrighteousness. It's placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. All right. Let's break this down a second here. James just switched gears here, and he went from the direction of the tongue to the results of what the tongue can do. He went from direction to results. In a dry and barren land that they lived in at the time, there was fear of great fires. So when he used this illustration, they knew exactly what he was talking about because fires leave a lasting impression. I bet many of you sitting there right now can think of fires that have occurred in your life. I can think of two in my life. You will always remember a fire. So he's talking about this untamed beast of our tongue 
that's like a fire. If James would have written this letter today, he would have compared this small coronavirus that you see all over the places on the news and everything else. They always have that little symbol of the coronavirus that is unseen by the naked eye. And he would probably use this as an illustration how something bad could travel so fast and infect and affect so many lives today. Like the poison of a serpent, the tongue is loaded with venom of hate and death-dealing gossip. Have you ever been bitten by an animal? I avoid getting bit by animals at all costs. You won't ever see us snake handling going on at Levener, I promise you, that's for sure. The tongue isn't evil. The results of the tongue can be evil. The tongue is neutral. It's just a piece of meat. No man can tame his tongue. Now think about that for a second. No man can tame his tongue. In a circus, you can see that man has tamed elephants. They've tamed bears. They've tamed lions even. But just get online and watch some media for a minute or two, and you will see the circus there and that man struggle, struggles with taming the tongue. And the reason is, is living in your own strength, you will not be able to control that small piece of meat in your mouth. Living your life by another, your tongue no longer needs to be tamed. I had a friend this week that emailed me and said he's dreaded talking to their own family members when they call on the phone. That's exhausting and he didn't want to debate with them. And I said, good, give up the battle. Answer the phone and trust the spirit inside of you to speak. You see, if we let our flesh speak for us, it's exhaustive and it can destroy but if you walk by the Spirit, watch what can happen. Verse 9. I'm doing this uh, coordination pretty good, You're right? great. Uh, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. That's the last passage I'm going to deal with this morning. We're almost done. Just hang with us. And then we'll do some questions and answers. So he's talking about now what is the tongue capable of doing? With the tongue, think about it. Man can do what we just did with Rick. We can praise God. We can sing songs. We can preach the word. We can lead the lost to Christ. And it's such a great privilege to be able to do that. But with that same tongue, we can tell lies and can ruin a man's reputation or even break a person's heart. The ability to influence others and accomplish great things, tremendous tasks, and yet we take that ability for granted. Look at these passages of scripture here. In Proverbs 18.4, it says, the words of a person's mouth are deep waters, a flowing river 
a fountain of wisdom. Proverbs 10, 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And Proverbs 13, 14 says, a wise person's instructions is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. Think about that for a second. Water is life-giving. And our words can give life. But yet, we've been under flood warnings this week, along with all this coronavirus and everything else. Think about how important water is to us today. It's hard to even get bottles of water. It's going to get hard. Think about when you've been so hot and thirsty. A bottle of water never sounded so good. Water was used to cleanse the hands and the feet of the Jews for purification reasons. It cleanses. Instead of contrasting, instead of contrasting what is useful with what is not, see you, Charlie. Instead of contrasting what is useful with what is not, the argument stems from the, the natural order of living things. Think about it. Grapevines produce grapes, not figs, and figs trees produce figs, not olives. James is speaking now about the person's nature. Your nature will naturally produce the correct fruit. If you have a sinful nature, you're going to produce sin. I get it. You're going to be evil. But if you have a new nature, you produce beneficial fruit. So the question is, what will your tree produce? It depends on the seed. It depends on how deep your roots are. It depends if it's soaking up water. But the real truth, it all comes down to knowing and living out who you really are. Here we go, the one-trick pony. It comes down to knowing who you are in Christ. It can't be both good and bad. It's either good or it's bad. You have to know who you are. The tongue gives direction. The tongue can easily destroy, but the tongue also has power to delight, to encourage people. Yes, James just used the tongue as a metaphor. You know that it's based upon the Holy Spirit working inside of each believer. And just as we began this whole thing, you, being the light of the world, can make a great impact in our community this week just by smiling, just by saying a kind word, maybe even by holding your tongue, maybe by calling someone on FaceTime. Maybe just sending a word of encouragement through a handwritten note. Maybe just being Christ in you and you in Christ. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. Uh, there's so much going on right now. I just trust that you're going to continue to work through our church, our community, and that you're going to you're going to let us just uh, submit to you in the control of our tongues. That we've obviously failed in that in our own flesh, and so we become dependent upon you, Jesus, to do it in our lives. 
and through that we even become energized and uh, become the light of the world to a dark dark community so i trust you i thank you for uh my friends that are online here and uh, just thank you for this morning and for rick and i pray these things in jesus name amen